regardless of what level of school you've got, you've got guys that come on now have got quite large schools that are up to capacity that are not really interested in expanding their school but just maintaining it, you know, keeping up to the levels they've got and, of course, then sharing their knowledge on with some of the guys who have got smaller schools. Ladies and gentlemen. Hi, everybody. Good evening. Are you ready? Keep this frequency clear. I know you're going to dig this. I am. Okay, here we go. Check, check it out. You're listening to the Martial Arts Media Podcast, where you, the martial arts school owner, gets insider tips and secrets from leading experts to help you build a more profitable martial arts business. Now, here's your host, the founder of martialartsmedia.com, George Faree. This podcast episode is the audio version from a video that was published on martialartsmedia.com. For the full episode, to download the transcript and get all the show notes, head over to martialartsmedia.com. Enjoy. Hey everyone, Georgia, and welcome to another Martial Arts Media Business Podcast. I'm speaking to a guest, where, and I'm speaking to him actually for the second time today, because we were just on our one of our partners' coaching calls, and Lindsay was on that, and we're just jumping over to find out more about Lindsay Guy. How are you doing today, Lindsay? Top of the world today, George. Feel great, actually. Top of the world, and it's all thanks thanks to our conversations, right? I, oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. You wouldn't believe how I felt prior to coming on with you. Exactly. <laughs> right, and, and this is the type of banter, just this might set the tone for the conversation. Um, a little bit of tongue-in-cheek, a little bit of, you know, Self-praise where it's not relevant. But anyway, <laughs> from my side. Anyway, uh, so chatting today to Lindsay Guy and wanted to bring him on to just chat about his journey in martial arts and a whole bunch of other things that we'll reveal during the interview. But uh, just I'll give a quick roundup and then I'll hand it over to you, Lindsay, and you can give us, you can fill the gaps and tell us more about you and your background in martial arts. Uh, but Lindsay Guy, uh, six dad, Founder of Guys Karate School, uh, six dad in Shotokan Karate, second dad Taekwondo, level five ISKA referee and international referee, and a whole bunch of other things. So, officially, welcome to the call, Lindsay. Thanks, George. Thanks. Also, so give us a bit of a roundup. Um, just uh, how you got started in the business, the martial arts, and how things have evolved up to now. Well, I guess like a lot of people, I was a, uh, a bullied child. I, uh, I didn't enjoy my younger years, my school days. I was a bit of a what you call a nerd. Back in the days when guys had long hair, I was the kid with the short hair and the glasses and the big ears sticking out. So it wasn't really what you'd call a, uh, you know, a trendsetter at the time. Or maybe I was a trendsetter at the time and just didn't know about it. But uh, I remember I was, I was sitting in my, in my house. I was about 20 year old sitting in my house, and I, I came across a, an article in a newspaper about some guys who were going to a tournament in one of the local karate schools. And I thought I wouldn't mind trying that. So at the end of the ad, of course, it had the details on how to contact the instructor if you were interested in starting karate. So I give this guy a call and went down to start the train with him. And I remember on the first night, he said, look, these guys are going to a tournament, so we actually might use you as a bit of a partner. So put these gloves on and you could be a bit of a training partner for these guys. Now, I'd never punched anybody in my life, and yet here's this guy got these gloves on me. Uh, 
And, and I continued to go back until about, I guess it was about two months later when he came to me and he said, look, he was a Swiss German. So he had this very strong accent and everything that he said and still says just sounds cranky all the time. And he said to me, look, you're never going to learn karate. You're stupid. He said, you just go home. Don't come back. Don't waste my time. And I went, really? And he went, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just stupid. Go away. So then the next night I come back and he said to me, I told you not to come back. And I went, yeah, I know, but I'm coming back. So years later, I said to, uh, I said to Sensei Chelso, who was my instructor, I said to him, look, remember years ago when you said to me, I'm stupid, don't come back. He said, yeah, 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 I remember that. And I said, so why would you say that? He said, I recognize some potential in you and I just wanted to see whether you really wanted to learn karate. So if you came back, you proved to me that you were genuine, you wanted to learn. And if you didn't come back, he said, well, you, you just proved that you really weren't that keen on it. So, uh, that's how we started off. Now that's that's interesting in two ways. Number one, that your your actual entry point was looking at an ad for a tournament, and yes. that's what you started. Well, for me at least, that's the first time I hear someone starting based on tournament and kind of wanted to jump into the deep end. Did you find that was was that a was that a, a strange thing for you to just rock up and think, well, hey, there's a tournament happening. I want to be in a tournament and I want to learn this thing to be in. The tournament and um, at 20 well, as well. Well, I, I didn't consider it strange, and now you've just made me feel a little odd about that now, George. Because <laughs> up until that point, I never felt oh, strange about it, but, but maybe there's a, a little lack of sleep tonight because of that thinking about it. But um, <laughs> no, I, I just always wanted to learn karate because I grew up through the Bruce Lee, the um, you know the, the Kung Fu with David Carradine days. Uh, martial arts movies were all the go back then. Um, you know, with guys like Richard Norton, Chuck Norris, all those guys. And I'd always looked at that and being a bullied child, I thought maybe this is something I can do. Maybe I can slowly, you know, get into something and finally start to learn to defend myself. That's that's why I showed up. And, of course, maybe I was stupid at the time because I just kept coming back. You know, out of all of those students that uh, that Sensei Chelsea trained over those, you know, years, I'm still the only one that's um, that's still doing karate. Now, the second question on that, what do you think of that type of reverse psychology approach? And how think how relevant do you think that still is to challenge someone in that way? I don't think it's relevant at all. I would never say that to any of my students. I think it's a, uh, you know, a stupid thing to say. Because at that time, you know, I didn't know anything about karate. I was a little fragile still. I could have just walked out of that center and went, bugger it. I won't do it then. And of course, he could have lost the student. Martial arts could have uh, could have not gained a great instructor. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, I, I always wonder on that type of approach, and I think um, there's got to it's it works for a set personality that you respond to that that challenge. Like you know, you won't tell me, I'll show up. But then you, I think, for the majority, for seventy five percent, you might. Just the chance of someone just kind of crumbling, especially if you have been bullied and you know you have been stamped on a few times, that yeah. it could go the other way, right? Well, absolutely, it could. See, we gone through the old-fashioned Shotokan traditional style of training. It was hard training, and yet lots and lots of people used to leave. Our our retention rate was dreadful. You know, you do a big ad, he'd have thirty people, and within two weeks there'd be only six left. 
it was a hard road. It wasn't a black belt in three years. It was a black belt in seven to eight years. It was training without gloves. It was training without any protection. It was on old wooden floors. And you were regularly getting hit and thrown to a floor. <laughs> so I understand now why people didn't last. But the people that did last and go through the system uh, turned out to be quite good martial arts. And they were, you know, quite tough in themselves. I guess. It was a very mental thing because he used to, uh, you know, just push you quite hard. And, and do you think a lot of that is lacking at the moment? I mean, because what I just referenced, you know, it's probably easy to say, and, and there will probably someone that say, you know, don't be a snowflake and kind of get over it and grow up hair, you know, or everything else that goes with it, which, which, yep, it, it's a fair, fair point and it is relevant. But I, I think sometimes you can completely separate someone from actually making that decision to move forward and do the thing by not approaching approaching it properly. But on that, I mean, what do you feel, how much of that do you feel is missing? And, and if you look at students today, what, how do you feel that they progress? And do you feel that they achieve that same kind of grit and hard attitude from, from training and perseverance? A lot depends on the personality of the student, really. Um, you know, during our training, and all instructors will tell you the same thing, they can pick the ones that they can push a bit harder. They can pick the ones that they tend to slap around a little bit more. You know, I've got a 21-year-old who's a, a second down with us, and I made sure that he came out tough. I made sure that, you know, he could defend himself, and the first time that he got into a situation, he perhaps wasn't going to panic, or the first time he got hit, he wasn't going to break down and cry. He's also a big boy, but... There are those students that have come through that I've pushed a little harder, that we've treated a little rougher, and I think they've come out at the other end at a much better martial artist. There's a difference between being a great martial artist and being someone who's tough enough to stand up for themselves. I, I can teach lots and lots of people to do great technique, but at the end of it, are they tough enough to be able to stand up in a self-defense scenario? Perfect. So, so moving on from that, so your 20s, and you know your training. Um, how did your how did your journey evolve from there? I must admit, we went to a lot of tournaments back then. It seemed to be every weekend we were at some form of tournament. We were at, um, you know, back then there wasn't a great deal of tournament circuits like there is now to, to participate in. And back then there was only two events. It was just kumite, so it was just sparring, and then there was kata patterns. And then when you went, that was the only two things that you competed in. You didn't go in anything else. So. When we look at today with events in tournaments, you know, there's so much for kids to do today. There's cuddling. I'm sorry, wrestling. Um, there's. Oh, you've just <laughs> lost. You've just lost half my audience. <laughs> there's uh, there's sword combat. There's you know, there's there's sumo. There's high kick. There's extreme weapons. There's all of those sorts of things that kids can be involved and compete in today. But, you know, back in the old style tournament, two things. You went in your, in your one Kumite event and your one Cutter event and however you performed from there, that was, that was all there was. So I, but I did a lot of tournament work back then. I was involved in the New South Wales Karate Federation. I was involved in the, in what we call WUKO back then was the World Organization of, you know, Karate Union. There was, um, uh, KUA Karate, you know, Union of Australia. There was a lot of those traditional associations out there that we belong to and we we competed regularly in you know your, your AKF in New South Wales Karate Federation tournaments and that sort of thing there was lots of state titles and Australian titles that we competed in and then 
of course, from there, even international events that we that we competed in overseas. So over that time, I've probably done, I don't know, thousands and thousands of tournaments. But uh, I must admit that that's been part of the reason that's kept me in it, I guess, over that time, is the fun that I've been able to have and the people that I've been able to meet through those tournaments. Because if I just stayed in my little town of Maitland and practiced in a little local hall, honestly don't think that I'd still be in the in the karate. It's, it was those tournaments, or those people I met, it was the excitement that I had, the travel that I did, that uh, that's kept me in it, I guess. Is, is that due to just the motivation of its inspiration from other martial artists and also, also just the way your training progressed in a different in a different form? No, well, look, I'd, I was good at tournaments and I think I'd found something I was good at. And, you know, when you find something you're good at and you're doing well at it, it makes you happy, it keeps you well, and it keeps you interested. So I always thought I had this idea that why would I stop doing something that I like doing and I'm good at to go and try and find something else that I'm good at and I like doing when I'm already doing, you know, what I like doing and what I'm good at. So I just stayed there. That was why I did it. And I still compete. You know, I competed uh, a couple of weeks ago in, in Sydney at the, uh, the ISCA Sydney Open, so I'm still competing in the old people's events. The ones where you come out with the walkers, you know. That's cool. Well, I'm actually on, on the the part of your website that I, well, the part of your bio that I did leave out. Um, achievements. Just scanning through uh, 1985, commenced training with Hensai Can in Maitland with Kelso Bauer. Uh, 1987, one North Coast Open Kumite in Coffs Harbour. 1988, first place over 80 kg in New South Wales for the Federation. All right. Very impressive. Well, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> thank you. Uh, there's so much that could be listed there. There could be pages and pages and pages on, but at the end of it all, who really cares? Nobody, yeah. except me. Yeah. Do, you, do your students care? Most of them not. <laughs> yeah, look, some of them are, uh, you know, I still compete, and some of them, when they see me compete, they're a bit in awe. They were, wow, that's, you know, Sheehan's actually probably pretty good at this. I can see that he is. Um, However, the people that walk in through my door, they really don't care how many stripes I've got on my belt and how many trophies I've got up on my wall. They're more concerned is what I'm going to give to their children or themselves. You know, what are we going to get out of it, not what your achievements are. And I think too many people worry about how many certificates they got on their wall and how many trophies they got up on the shelf and how many stripes they've got on their belt. What's, and think what's, that that's going to give them students. It doesn't, doesn't work that way. And, and how did you come to that realisation? Was it... Was there a time that that was your focus and you leaned, leaned towards that in your marketing, that that is your strength and what you provide? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I thought the more stripes I had on my belt, the more students I was going to get. Uh, you know, when I was in my 30s, I was a, a cocky young boy. And, you know, promoting trophies and self-promotion, I thought, was the way that, that we did things. Realistically, at the end of it all, the only person that it really uh, cared about it was me. You know, I can look back through old paper clippings and stuff now that I've got in some scrapbooks, and they're great to look at. They're great for memories, but I could put it out at the uh, at the dojo, and people just have a quick flip through it, and no one really cares about any of that stuff. Now, I, I think that when you're looking at promoting your your business, you know, whether it be online or more verbally, I think people just really need to know what they're going to get out of it. What can you do for them? Yeah. And, and so I, I think it's important 
I think it's important for you and your confidence in the way you portray yourself and the fact that you can back up what you say and what you provide. And I think that's probably the missing key. You know, if you can use that as a credibility statement, but position it in a way that's actually relevant to the student. Like what's the benefit in it for them? Well, it's it's on my website. I've put my bio on the website, Jian Lindsay. And it's there for those people who want to go and have a look. I don't promote it. I don't tell people to go on and have a look at what I've done. But there are people out there that say, we want to check this guy out. We want to check his credentials. We want to see what he's done. And some people go on there and they go, oh, wow, he must be a pretty good instructor because it says he's won lots of stuff, which really doesn't mean anything because I might not be a good instructor. <laughs> I might be a, a self-centered uh, Wally who, you know, just is full of self self-promotion. I might not be a good instructor at all. So you let something slip, and you were talking about cuddling. Uh, where, where, does, yes. where, does, where does this reference come from? Uh, well, actually, George, I think it may come from you, to be honest with you. I think it was more or less something we started just to um, have a bit of banter with you because I know you do a bit of BJJ, and I know you're quite uh, attached to it. And uh, any poke that we can have at, uh, you know, other martial artists in jest, I think is is pretty healthy. That's good. And so I'm glad you mentioned that for the context, you know, that we don't get hate messages for this podcast, that it was all sitting <laughs> in all relevant banter. And oh, look, look, I, I like Brazilian jiu-jitsu. It's not that I don't like it or any form of jiu-jitsu. And I think that, you know, throughout our karate teaching, we do a lot of that. Um, it's just a different art to what we do. That's all. And have I done it? Plenty of it. Have I been involved in seminars where they do it? Of course, many times. Have I enjoyed it? Yes. That's not what I think. That's all good. I, I thought it almost would be good to say, you know, if, do you feel that that is where you would evolve to? Quick answer, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because it's not my interest. It's not no, my interest. No, no, no. That's, that's, um, I, yeah. I just wanted to throw that in there as an evolving statement. That, that was the only real point. People come in to me and they say, look, we'd like to do some jujitsu. And I say, yeah, there's a great school just around the corner. Go and see the guys down there because they're fantastic at what they do. So, so walk me through the, the success of your school and how things have evolved. Okay. Well, we did, um, about 32 years in the school hall. And again, just the same, you know, you build up your 30 students and then uh, what happens is in a few weeks later, you've got your, your 15 left. And it wasn't until about four years ago that I made the decision that it's probably about time that I started my own school. See, for about a million years, I just looked around trying all these little business ideas, the same ones that lots and lots of people try. You know, I tried, um, you know, working on different little ideas that I've come up with with marketing and the way I could do stuff. And after 33 years, realised that I already had it. It was sitting right there. That whole business that I'd been looking for <laughs> is that I'd been playing with it for 30-odd years and not even realised what I had. I'd like teaching martial arts. I wasn't making any money, actually. As most martial artists would tell you, if they got a little school in a school hall, a little in a school hall or a community hall, it probably costs you more money every year than what you actually make out of it. And it's just the way that it is. And what I went to the stage then, I went, 
okay, there's a couple of things I'm looking at. Retirement. Do I want to continue to work in a job for a boss asking when I can have holidays and days off for the rest of my life? No. Didn't want to do it. Did I want to school that I could, you know, build that at some point in time I could go and have holidays? The school could too, still continue to run and I could receive an income from that. Yes. So there was only one option then was to take the, the gamble and start a school. So what I did was the first thing was looked around for a building, got a building. I still had a full-time job at this stage. And it wasn't till uh, just before COVID that I didn't have a full-time job. So I quit my job on the 19th of March, 2020. And then on the 21st of March, 2020, the government closed us down. <laughs> it was a great time to uh, to actually quit my job. I went back to the boss and he said, Sorry, Lindsay, but I've already replaced you. We've already got a guy now doing your job and we don't need you any longer. So we went for the next six months, of course, without any income, which was, which was great. We were still doing Zoom lessons during that time, but I'd still made that commitment that I didn't want to go back to a job. So what had happened prior to that though is that, you know, I'd went to all of these martial arts marketing companies every time I opened up my Facebook, there was somebody else promoting how good they were and what they could do for me. Admittedly, I paid quite a lot of money to a lot of those people and really achieved no success out of it. What a lot of them do is a lot of them say to you, we'll do this for you, we'll have regular meetings, um, you know, we'll help you build your school, we'll look at it, and at the end of it all, once you've signed up, paid your money, you really don't hear from a lot of them ever again. You send them emails, they don't respond to them. They give you this package that's a, it's a bunch of videos that you can watch. And if you watch all the videos and do as we say, well, you'll do okay at it. But what I wanted was something different to that, George. What I wanted was someone who could hold me accountable or someone that I could regularly speak to and was a, involved in some form of group where I could speak to other martial artists that were going through the same problems as, as I was going through or who had already been through the problems and come out the other side with some solutions. So when I seen this ad come up for this George Forey guy, I thought, oh, another one, another one. But exactly the same as the other guys, I contacted you exactly the same as I contacted all the other guys because George Forey could have been the one. He could have been the one. Or he might have been just another line of, of wasted money. Um, and what I did was is that after contacting you, I felt comfortable because I could speak to you. We could go onto Zoom. We could have a chat together. And you at that time said to me, these are some other people that I'm working with. If you want to have a chat for them, feel free to contact them. And you made me a guarantee that if I did what you asked me to do, and it didn't work, you'd refund every single cent that I was ever going to pay to you, which was, to me, a no-loss situation. <laughs> Instead of with the other guys, it was a no-win situation. So, you know, we'd struggled. We really didn't know where we were going or how to get there. We'd made lots of mistakes. We'd had a lot of students come through. We'd had a lot of students that had quit because we weren't doing things correctly because we had no experience. So what we were trying to do is go from a 
20-student school to a 200-student school with absolutely no idea how to do it. And that's where you came in. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great to hear. And I think I'll just add to that. You know, you mentioned another one of these guys. I sometimes feel, you know, I'm sitting on Facebook and I'm like, I, I kind of say the same thing, right? Um, because I know where, I know where the information comes from. There, there's, I mean, of late, I've, I've never seen so many martial arts marketing people, which I find, I find interesting. And, and look, everybody is obviously free to run a business and do their thing. What I, what I do have a gripe with is ethics. Ethics is a big, big thing for me. And when I started working in the martial arts space, Facebook wasn't even such a big thing. Um, I mean, you know, my story of how I started was, is completely different and I sort of worked my way into it, but it was a lot of trial and error and learning. There's a, there's a big trend in the, in the online space where you buy a course, you're not an expert. The expert tells you this is how you become an expert. And you model our system that worked on how we sell a course. And now this expert or expert becomes an expert because they bought the course and they go sell you their system on how that system works and they give advice. And unfortunately, people spend up spending a lot of money and they spend money on the wrong things or things are overpromised. And I think for anybody that maybe listens to this in that field, you know, go out there and get some people the results before you overpromise and lead people down the wrong, the wrong path. Mm. Um, when I made that commitment, I made the commitment to go to a full-time school with 20 students. It was a big commitment. But the belief in myself that I could do it was really high. I was encouraged by some other school owners that I knew. Yeah, go, just go for it. Um, we, I guess, paid out a lot of money out of our pocket for rents, you know, and outgoings and stuff before we, we built up. And quite quickly, we built up to about uh, 70 to 80 students, which, of course, in that 70 to 80 students, was still just paying rent. So I still wasn't making any cash out of it, hence the reason that I took my full-time job. But what I found was it was extremely hard to build the business up while I was concentrating on working all day and every day for a boss. What I'd do from there is I'd leave my place of employment, I'd go straight to the dojo, I'd teach, I'd shut up at night, go home and have dinner and go to bed and then start the next day exactly the same with my full-time boss. So how was I ever going to, you know, build up my business and work on increasing my student numbers if I was focusing more on somebody else's business than my own? You know, my wife was uh, was driving an old car. The guy I worked for's wife was driving a new car. He was having great holidays whenever he felt like it. I was having holidays whenever he told me I could. So I decided that that. That wasn't for me. Oh, I wanted to be him. I wanted to be like him. So that was when I made that decision to quit my job. Was it an easy decision to make? For me, it was. It was, it was just straight down the line. I'm leaving. I'm not, I'm not going to do this any longer. Where did the money come from at that time? Well, it came from my housing mortgage. You know, we, we had the, the withdrawal back out of the housing mortgage and I used that money then to pay expenses, to pay bills. Were we living quite meekly? Yeah, we were. We weren't having great holidays. We weren't going out for dinner 
you know, once a week. We weren't uh, buying new cars. What I was doing was I was investing back into my business because I could still see, even though I had no idea where I was going, I still firmly believed in myself that we were going to make this business work. How? No idea. But it was that blind faith that kept driving me to keep doing stuff, to keep looking at people, you know, like George Forey, to keep making those telephone calls, all those, you know, internet introductions to them because I was looking for that one person who was going to help me. Now, we came back from COVID. We had about 90 students when we came back from COVID. Currently today, we're pushing towards the 300 students. Um, I promised my wife when we hit 300 students that we'd buy her a new car. We're pretty close to that now. We've already ordered the new car. It's coming in about six weeks. Awesome. (laughs) I I set a goal and and that's what we're pushing to now. So, you know, it's just those little rewards. And you might think a car's not a little reward. It is a little reward. It's a great reward. It's not a big reward. Yeah. So, you know, we've managed to do some things now and, and we're actually starting to live a little now. We had a long time where we weren't. Uh, living we were surviving but by putting all of that other lifestyle aside just for a short time it's allowed us to build the business up to a level now where we're more comfortable financially we can have some holidays we can go out we can buy a new vehicle we can maybe get some new clothes and all of those things that we missed out on for so long we can now do those simply because we did miss out on them for so long. So I'd, I'd made that decision to put my business first, us second. And it has, it wasn't a gamble. All you had to do was do it correctly and do as, uh, you know, some of your business advisors advised me to do. And it was going to work. There was no point asking successful people for help. And then once they've given me advice, not doing it. Yeah. It, it, it was just it's just pointless and there's so many people out there though come to me now and people that I know are in little schools and they say so you're doing pretty well how did you manage to do it and I tell them and they go oh well we would never do that okay that's fine but you'll never have what I have if you're not prepared to do it it's, it's pretty simple yeah I, I love that firstly well done um I, I actually, I, I wasn't aware from that from COVID to now that's 90 to almost 300 students. That's, that's magnificent. Uh, it's j- just over a year now, George. Just over a year, triple, triple the business. That's, yes. that's marvelous. You mentioned the car is a small thing. I, I love the fact that you could buy a car because every time you walk out and you look at the car, it's, it cements in the fact that you achieved that because of your success. So it's, it's yep. actually one of the best rewards. You know, something that you can see, touch and feel every day, that, that's like the best reminder, reminder out there. And the other thing you mentioned was just doing the work. Obviously having belief, belief in yourself, you know, you know that you can do it. That, that's, it, it all starts from that, like really knowing that you can do this and then having the guts to burn the bridges. And, and really just, well, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to burn the bridges. I'm going to create this business. It's going to provide for us and go all in. 
It's important not to lose focus. It's important not to lose focus of your goal. And you'll know, has there been times when I've felt down about the business? Of course. Has there been times when I've really felt like, um, you know, I'm empty and I don't know what to do next and what to fill it with? And at that period of time, I know that I've got a huge network of people that I can simply get on the phone or get on the internet to and speak to. Now, this week, for example, I had a couple of issues that I wanted some advice on or just to, someone to throw me some some ideas. And I contacted uh, Shane McMahon and Brent Fenton this week and had a chat to both of those two guys because both of those guys are in a position that I want to be in. They've, they've done the hard yards. They've made the mistake. So I thought, what better opportunity to ring two guys that I respect, that I know are in the position where I'm into, and, and, you know, ask them how they handled these situations or how would they handle these situations. And they gave me some advice, and uh, I've made some decisions from that, which I feel is going to take us to the next step in our business. So it's important to get the right advice from the right people. There's plenty of people out there that are going to tell you you can't do it. There's plenty of people out there who are going to tell you that, uh, uh, you know, we don't think it'll work. Are you, sh- you sure you should be taking that risk? I think you're mad. There's all of those people out there. Those are the easy ones to find. Um, you know, I, I, and that's why I think family can be the worst people to ask advice for because they care for you and so they, they feel that they want to uh, protect you and so they give you advice to protect you and not move you forward. But, you know, on that asking others for advice, and that's what I really love about um, our weekly calls that we have, our Partners Power Hour sessions, because it's it's a session where it's kind of a roundtable session that we have once a week, and a bunch of school owners, like today we had guys from New Zealand, Canada, and Australia on board, all different circumstances, um, it's a bit of a roundtable discussion of what's working, what's not, who's got ideas for different things, and everyone gets to share and bounce ideas. And uh, the, the great thing about a mastermind type event like that is everyone's actually got a valid point, no matter what level they're at, because you just need that one person to see things from a different angle, and that's what's going to move you forward. But it's kind of a place where we sort of congregate once a week, and people get to ask questions, get unstuck, and you've got ideas and advice flowing freely. Um, I always learn from it. I always get great ideas from it, and that's how we go create our next training session because uh, – you know, something came up in the in, in the session and we know that we can go and create a training from that and sometimes it'll be someone like you and uh, Shane or Brett or one of the guys that jump on board and share what it is that they've got to share as well. Mm. I think it's important that you surround yourself with positive people, people that are all wanting to head in the same direction as you're heading. And regardless of what level of school you've got, you've got guys that come on now who've got quite large schools that are up to capacity that are not really interested in expanding their school, but just maintaining it, you know, keeping up to the levels they've got. And of course, then sharing their knowledge on with some of the guys who have got smaller schools. So it's, it's a fantastic environment to be around when we're involved in those conversations because there's really no negative uh, activity going on inside of our, our group chats. And that's why I join on. If there was negative activity, I'd simply go, I don't really want to dial in every Wednesday. And, you know, I think since I've been on board, which is, I guess, has been just over a year now, I haven't missed, oh, I've missed one of those Wednesday, Wednesday sessions in, in a year. And why? Because I've just made it so important in my schedule that I can't miss out on those because they're my motivators. But the amount of information and the amount of ideas I get out of those 
group sessions is is incredible. I get so much out of them that I, I takes. You probably see me occasionally. I'll I'll look across. I'll have a pen and a bit of paper, and I'll just take a quick note on something. Or I'll write something down, or I'll type something because it's just the little things sometimes that can make a massive difference on your business. Now, are we still doing things wrong? Yep, of course, of course we are. Um, are we trying to work on those things we're doing wrong? Yes, we are. How am I doing that? Well, I'm seeking advice from people that, that uh, you know, maybe, again, in that position that we want to be into. Is our business evolving and changing? Yes, of course it is. So as our student base grows, the programs that we put in change, the methodology that we do stuff changes, the staff, you know, management changes, the 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 more staff that we have increases. So what we actually do is we evolve with the business. If we don't evolve with the business, what happens is that at some point in time, we're not going to stagnate. We're actually going to go backwards in numbers because we're not changing and evolving without, with our businesses. I think that's why some of those guys with large skills still continue to join in on our on our regular Wednesday meetings because they're evolving with their business as well and have to. And even the, the smallest guy with the smallest skill down the road could still have a great idea. You think that's a fabulous idea? Why not think of that? What you mentioned is that it's a good reminder to have a, a check in also on the things that you know. You, you came into the group with one situation. It's normally you know people come to us normally for marketing help, but then. Marketing gets taken care of and then it's a whole new set of problems. And it's just remembering how to evolve with your business and also let go of the things that you were doing that, yep. you know, as you evolve as a, as a school owner in a business, you've got to let go of the things that got you there to go on to your next, your next stage. Mm. I, I guess that do I want to pay, you know, money to the George Foreys of the world? No, of course I don't. What do you mean? Do, do I do I need to spend money with the George Foreys of the world? Yes, I do. Why? Because that's where I'm going to get the information to grow my business. I have to find information somewhere, and generally, information isn't free. And I, you know, I've got to be prepared to invest in my business and myself. And I guess the biggest thing that you've got to look at is your is yourself. Is that you have to grow within yourself. As you know, older men, we get to the stage where depression can can set in and if we're not careful it sneaks up on you and have we been through that scenario well I've been through that scenario a couple of times in my life and it's just something that creeps up on you and I think that the great thing that what we've got at the moment is that you know I've got people outside of your group I've got some great martial artists that I've known for a long time that I can just simply get on the phone to and call if I'm not feeling all that all that well today and some of them you call and some of them go what's wrong mate you don't sound your usual happy self today yeah, well, maybe I'm not. But of course, at the end of generally, at the end of those conversations, you come away feeling, yeah, the world isn't so bad really after all. Yeah, oh, you know, I go to my business and people think, oh, yeah, it all looks rosy. You start work at three o'clock in the afternoon or three thirty in the afternoon, and then what happens is that you go home by eight. You've got a great job. But I can tell you, if you're looking at starting a full time jo- dojo or building a full time, you know, dojo the center martial arts center, whatever it is that you want to run, it doesn't start at 3.30 in the afternoon and finish at 8 o'clock at night. It generally starts from the moment you get up in the morning to the moment you go to bed that night. That's your business. You're working on it. 
until you get it to a stage where you've got other people that are helping you work inside your business and doing a lot of those chores, until you get to that stage, you've got to do it yourself. That's it. You've got to be prepared to go to bed tired. You've got to be prepared that, uh, you know, you have to devote some of that time that you might have been spending on playing golf or surfing. Um, do that. And I've, I've now just got back to the stage where I'm surfing again now. I'd, I'd stopped surfing for quite a amount of time because I really was just working on the business. Now I've got two mornings a week I can, I can devote to surfing, which is great for me because it also then, you know, something for me that works on my mental health that I can forget about the, the dojo for those couple of hours. I think it's important that we all have that. Yeah, there's, there's nothing like time in the ocean to forget about everything else. Yeah. Or, 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 what, or whatever, or whatever for you. It might be golf. It might be lawn bowls. It might be playing the guitar or the piano or something. It could be anything. It's whatever it is that you have to find what it does it for you. Because I, I guarantee if you don't, you're just going to get worn out, you're going to get burnt out, and then eventually going to collapse in a heap. And the only thing that's going to suffer then is you, your family, and, of course, your business as well. You can't let that happen. I want to say thanks for, for sharing all the stuff about working together as, as, as well. Um, I, I thought I'd just ask a few questions on top of that, if it's, if it's okay with you. Absolutely. You, you mentioned you were looking online. Was there something that was holding you back to maybe not get in touch? Past experience. Past experience. Past experience. Because <laughs> I jumped in, uh, you know, boots and all with the first couple because they made some really great promises. One of the guys was uh, was on the, the Gold Coast and I paid the money into his account and I never even heard back from him. And then I made a few, uh, you know, contacts with him um, that he never responded to. Then I finally got a telephone number that I rang him directly and spoke to him. He said, oh, some of my guys were supposed to be handling that. You tell me they haven't. And I said, no, they haven't. I was completely disillusioned. He said that he'd refund my money back, which took forever to come back to me. And I still see his ads coming up all the time now. And you go, how do you do that, mate? How do you sit there and claim you've got such a great service when your track record isn't all that good? Well, particularly with me. Yeah. Um, and then I found some guys who are in the same business as what I'm in that I, I joined up through. They were advertising and then I, you know, went to a seminar that they, they had on, signed up. And, of course, the information came through in the forms of lots of videos. And if you watch lots and lots of our videos, you'll probably succeed. But we didn't have any regular meetings. There wasn't any contact. There wasn't any, you know, somebody holding me accountable. Now, the thing that I like about the group that we're involved in is that everybody makes you accountable. Everybody there, you know, replies to a, to a, a Facebook message that comes out three times a week. What are you going to do? How are you going with it and why haven't you done it at the end of the week? I'm just one of those people who need to be held accountable. I'm not very good with time management and I'm not very good with um, management in general. I'm a pretty good martial arts instructor, but as for running a business, not particularly all that good at it. And I, I think, think there's a lot, of well. a lot of martial artists out there are the same. So what I've done is surrounded myself inside my business and uh, my dad ran a business for a long time and he always said to me, mate, there's always a plan here. The things that you're not good at, 
go and just pay someone else to do them. So I'm doing that. So the things I'm not good at, I'm paying somebody else to do them because I know if it's left up to me, it just won't get done. So what made me hesitant with you was the fact that I'd, that I'd had a bad track record with these other guys. There was more than two and I'd paid out money. And I guess, was it wasted money? No, it wasn't wasted money because I learned a lot of things about not spending money <laughs> with people like that. So let's get more research. And what you did to me, George, was allow me to come on board involved in a program without paying any money to start with. You had a program going at the time, which I think was your Digitize Your Dojo program. And you said, I'm not going to charge you any for it. You just, you guys all come on board and we'll start to work on it. And then somewhere, you know, down the track, you offered me the opportunity to become part of the partners group, which if you remember, I didn't jump on straight away. I still wanted to know about George Forey a little more until eventually I got to the stage where I agreed that, you know, I would come on board with your, with your program. And I have not regretted it. I remember there one day getting in contact with you and I asked you about some Facebook ads and you gave me all the guts of the Facebook ad. This is what you need to do. You sent me some photographs on what it needs to look like. I then, about two weeks later, I think I contacted you and went, George, it's not working, mate. It's just not working for me. And you went, send me your ad, send me all your, your visuals and I'll have a look at it. And, of course, I totally changed everything that you told me to do. And you came back to me and you went, but it's not what I told you to do. You said to me, and I think that I remember you saying something like to me, look, I'll tell you what, give it a go the way that I'm suggesting to start with. And if it doesn't work, then we'll go back and give your way a bit of a go then. So what I did was I changed my ads to virtually copy exactly the same as what you sent me. And all of a sudden, the uh, the messages started coming in. And I went, oh, that works. So then I did it again and again and again. And the leads just started coming in. And, you know, from that first ad, I'm still running virtually the, exactly the same ad. I might change the image on it occasionally just to freshen it. But I'm just doing the same thing over and over and over and over. And the leads are still coming in. I've signed up 10 in the last week just from running the same ad as I was running a year ago, offering the, the same special, and it works. Until it is broken, don't change it. What is it? If it ain't broken, don't fix it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah and, um, and, and it, I think it just takes time to, to get to that because if you've got the right formula, um, because, you know, the first thing everybody tries and does is, well, I'll just copy someone else's ad, but it's, it could work, but what you're missing is the the structure and the setup behind that. What got to that image? Why is it that image? Why did it get to that wording? And what is the link between the right offer and the right pricing and the flow of of going from that? And that's mm. that's where the tweaking that's where it's really got to happen. I, I see some of the ads that come up on my feed now from the other local guys. And I never seen them before. Perhaps I didn't look at them or perhaps because they're seeing my ads, they're doing stuff. But I'm really glad that they're advertising because what they're doing is that they're thinking they can do it better than me. So they're filling their, their images up with, um, with text. They're, you know, making them way too busy. Their ads saying way too much. And I'm thinking, 
that's great, guys. Keep doing that because you ain't getting the calls. I know you're not because I tried it that way and the, the phone just doesn't ring. So they're going to eventually get to the stage where they're going, well, this is useless. I'm not continually paying money for this and then they'll stop advertising, which is fantastic for me. So I, I see oh, this one came up yesterday and I went, oh, my gosh. Okay, the text is so small and there's so much on it I can't even read it. I'm not even going to bother clicking. But I did. I did. I clicked and sent him a message. I said, yeah, man, keep it up. It's good work. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So last couple of things. Uh, oh, two things, really. My favourite part about working with us. My favourite part is the Wednesday meetings, is the group. Totally. Because I, I get more out of that, that uh, you know, one hour on a Wednesday, I think, than any other thing that I do. Because the amount of questions I can ask the guys and get answered, I might get three different different answers, but I can at least pick one I think that might work for our data. That's the best thing. That one hour of uh, of power session that we do, because it's fabulous. Everybody's so open. Nobody minds sharing anything. And as I said to you, two guys from that session, you know, I've already spoken to them this week about a couple of decisions I was trying to make. Um, they've both given me great advice, which I've taken and. Uh, I'm much more settled now in myself thinking I'm glad I rang them. And, and without that group, I wouldn't have known who they were. I wouldn't have known who to ring and I might have made the wrong decision. Awesome. And last one, uh, yeah, who would you recommend the partners group to and why? I would recommend the partners group to, to anybody, to anybody who's wanting to run a, yeah, whether it be a small part-time studio or a large martial arts studio or even go from a small part-time to a large martial arts studio why it's just the motivational side it's the questions and answers that we get through the group and i think you know if i hadn't come on board with you george i'm not sure where i would be i'm not sure at what level our business we might have still been hitting that 90 you know 90 mark and building it up and letting it fall down again and building it up and letting it fall down again I am so fortunate to have, to have met, you know, you guys through this group that, uh, I, I, you can hear I'm lost for words, which I normally aren't lost for words at all. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's just fabulous. It's totally changed our whole family's life. And I, and I can say that with all honesty, you know, I just while well, I check that bank account, George, if you put that check in there. <laughs> later, later. <laughs> But, but, but uh, you know, for the people out there who are who are looking perhaps to come on board with George, who have been, you know, dipping their toes in the water, uh, make a commitment to your business and yourself, and just get out there. Because George said to me, um, and he'll remember the offer that he had, that if I don't return you your money in the first ninety days, I'll give it all back to you. And I don't have to give anything back to George. I don't have to give him back any of the information he's given me because I've already stolen it all from him. Um, but at the end of that 90 days, George had made me every cent that I'd paid to him back. It, it didn't even take 90 days. I think it was 30 days that he'd made me that money that, that I'd paid him. So whatever he's asking, you know, in there, jump on board and pay it. <laughs> it's certainly worth it. Uh, it, it's not, I'm not doing a, a commercial for George. I'm, I'm promoting George because in my heart, I generally know what he's done for us. And I think that he could do the same for other people. So I guess it's a promotion for all those dojo owners out there 
who want to grow their business. So it's I'm speaking about George more for your benefit than George's benefit. Love it. Lizzie, thanks so much. That, that, that means a lot. Great chatting to you. There's another story I want to chat to you about, and I'm going to hit you up about that in the near future. Um, Absolutely. And for, for anyone that wants to connect with you, uh, guyskaradeschool.com.au, you can have a look at Lindsay's website. Um, if you want to get in touch with us and have a listen to what it is that, that we do and, and work out if or how we can help you, uh, best, best way to do that is just go to martialartsmedia.com forward slash scale. Uh, and there's a little questionnaire. Tell us a bit about you, what you're stuck with. Um, let us know and we'll have a low-key chat and work out if or how we can help come up. Cool. Lindsay, any last, any last words from you? I could go on for hours, George, but <laughs> no, look, I, I, to be really honest with you, it's, uh, it's later on in the afternoon. I've got to go and open up the karate school and start doing what we do best. Awesome. <laughs> okay. Thanks, All right, Lindsay. George. Thanks so much. Speak soon. Thank you. Cheers. Awesome. Thanks for listening. If you want to connect with other top smart martial arts school owners and have a chat about marketing, lead generation, what's working now, and or just have a, a gentle rant about things that are happening in the industry, then I want to invite you to join our Facebook group. It's a private Facebook group and in there I share a lot of extra videos and downloads and worksheets, things that are working for us when we work, help school owners grow and share a couple of video interviews and a bunch of cool extra resources. So uh, it's called the Martial Arts Media Community, and an easy way to access it is if you just go to the domain name martialartsmedia.group. So martialartsmedia.group, G-R-O-U-P. There's no .com or anything, martialartsmedia.group. That will take you straight there. Uh, Request to join, and I will accept your invitation. Thanks. I'll speak to you on the next episode. Cheers. Ladies and gentlemen, that will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening. If you need help building your martial arts school, check out martialartsmedia.com.